the blast from our past network. Hi there, this is Scott Valentine, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura. You guys should all know by now what this show is all about. But if you don't, well, you'll find out pretty soon. But uh, it's actually uh, it's a fun show where me, Corey, talk to our co-host Zach and our buddy Diallo pretty much every episode about a different zany, obscure TV show from our youth. What's up, everybody? Diallo, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. What's up? What's up? How are you? I'm doing A-OK. I love chatting this stuff with you guys. Zach, what's up, my man? Here we are, born to be kings with princes of the universe. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm singing that all night. (laughs) Here we belong. Now, don't mind me if I eat a fucking (laughs) bullet, so... (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna come out right away and say, "Oh my God, Highlander!" All right, but you know what's perfect? That is gonna be the first show that we're talking about tonight of the three shows that we are gonna do. Uh, Diallo is gonna take us through Highlander, <laughs> while Zach takes us through War of the Worlds, and I am gonna bring it home with the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. So, Diallo, before we jump into it, real quick, buddy, what uh, yeah. what you been up to lately? What you been working on? You're you're a prolific writer and you're also a podcaster and you're working on a um a a novel called the first noel but it's also a a a podcast too can you uh, explain that real quick at the top yeah so i'm doing uh it's a novel that i've been working on for the last few years and i'm releasing them as audiobook chapters um on the first noel podcast it's uh first noel chronicles is the name of the podcast um, I have the prologue and the first two chapters up and uh, working on the next one. I've gotten uh, my life's got a little crazy in the last month, so I haven't actually been able to do the podcast and the schedule that I wanted to. But uh, it's coming and I'm really excited about it. And uh, it's a fantasy Christmas story. That's right. It's awesome. awesome. And you can also find uh, Diallo's comic books. Uh, And I say comic books is in plural. We have the Paranormals that you can purchase on Comixology. And we have Angela and the Dark, which you can also uh, find that on Comixology as well. Um, uh, I have all the links in the show notes for Diallo's uh, projects and everything. But we very much encourage everybody to check out what he's working on. And uh, and honestly, and we talked about, uh, I think you got a new job, right? Um, Working... You yeah. don't have to say where it is, but we, yeah, we definitely it's... talked about it on the on the last wrap up. We were very happy for you for for landing that gig, dude. Yeah, yeah thank so you. Yeah, it was very. Uh, it's a. I can't. Yeah, I can't quite say what it is, but mm-hmm. it's for a, it's for a, a known network, and I'll be writing some uh, animated uh, episodes for kids. So 
really excited about it. And um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it and say it's the new adventures of Davy and Goliath, <laughs> and it's a Christian uh, based. <laughs> Davy, you know Jesus Christ. I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but congratulations, dude. That's freaking awesome. And so happy uh, for you, dude. Yeah, very, yeah, very happy you. for you. Yeah, it feels very gratifying because, you know, I've been putting all the time in for for a while. So it feels good to have somebody from the outside come in and say, hey, you want to we think you're capable of doing this. So it's going to be really cool. Well, you know, as long as it doesn't interfere with your TV Obscura duties, then you have (laughs) full permission to move forward, my friend. (laughs) Priorities. uh, Yeah, can, uh, can we have a meeting? I have to talk to Corey and Zach about this first. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, I know he's writing The Last Temptation of Davey, but... Uh, <laughs> but he's needed, he's, on, wait. He's, he needed on an episode of TV Obscura. <laughs> we need to talk about our favorite uh, Bikini Babe TV shows. There you go. There Can you, you talk go. to my agent, please? Yeah. Uh, Diallo's got VIP. Uh, I've got Silk Stockings and... Corey's got Pacific Blue. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me silk stockings. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, you can have silk silk stockings. I'll take North Shore with Rick Springfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And Zach, I know what you've been up to since uh, the last time we recorded. You've been freaking just landing interviews left and right for podcasting after dark and uh two dollar lay fee it's 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 unreal dude and then on top of it you're expertly breaking down mutant that we just released last week was fantastic a great episode so it's i I know what you're doing and me it's the day after my birthday and uh, i'm pretty fucking hungover but that's i've done i've (laughs) podcasted before hungover one time i recorded a commentary track for the now defunct NSFW Gamer, and it was for the Mortal Kombat movie. And I was so hungover that day that I almost threw up halfway through the audio Jesus. track. <laughs> so, this is nothing, guys. This is absolutely nothing. I am ready to rock and roll. But Diallo, my man, you're going to yeah. kick us off with Highlander. Yeah. Can I get Zach? Can I get an intro, Zach? Here we are. Born to be kings, we're the princes of the universe. Hey, yeah. Okay. Boom. So I'm doing... There goes my fucking head. <laughs> All right. So I'm doing Highlander. Highlander the series. Ah, um, oh, so good. So good. Uh, it ran from 1992 to 1998. Um, it was created by the, uh, uh, what's his name, Gregory Wyden, who uh, created the Highlander movie uh, that came out in 1986. Um, it's basically a, an expansion on the first film. <laughs> it kind of ignores everything else that came after, which is a good thing. Rightfully like, so. Like we can all agree. <laughs> yes. Um yes. So when it when it when did uh when did uh, Highlander two come out the quickening it was like eighty nine maybe it came out in eighty nine or ninety yeah, it was right on the cusp yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so then a couple of years later um, uh, Highlander the series came out um, it starred uh, Adrian Paul who um, was pretty much unknown at the time um, he actually has a connection to one of the uh, other shows that we're going to do today. 
um, which I thought couple was really people interesting. Do. Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. people. It was, couple really, people. it was really interesting how the all of our shows are kind of connected. Yeah. Um, yep. It also started. I starred um, the first couple seasons. Starred Andrea Vanderhoot. Um, oh yeah. And a character named Stan Kirch, who unfortunately passed away at the beginning of last year. Committed suicide. Um, yeah, which really sad. So, because we all we all watched the pilot. Was he the one that played the young kid in that? Yeah, he was yeah. Richie Ryan. Yeah. He was awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah. Was awesome. So, yeah, he was on for most of the show. The first six, first five seasons, I think he was on, and then he was he uh, exited. Um, so yeah, that was that was really sad. I remember at the beginning of last year, and that was actually before like the world shut down too. Um, so, anyways. He was on it. Um, a character named Jim Bar- uh, Jim Burns was on the show towards uh, after the second season. He played a watcher, and um, love that guy. Yeah, um, he was like a blues player too, which is really interesting. He's yeah. got a, he's got like a <laughs> lot of awards for for playing blues. And another character named uh, Peter Wingfield, who plays the character of Mythos. Who is the world's oldest more immortal? Um, he he showed up in the second or third season, and he was a mostly a recurring character and became a, a starring character after that. Um, it one of the things that was really cool about Highlander, especially back in the day, was that uh, it was unique in that it was like a syndicated show, and half of it. Was took place in it was filmed half of it in Vancouver, but then the other half they would take off and they would go to Paris and film the second half of the season there, um, and especially back like you know like ni- the early nineties, just seeing like such an exotic location as Paris made the show stand out a little bit more, um, and I think it was because they had a production deal um, that was uh, by a French company and they decided to do an American production even though it was in Vancouver um so one of the cool things that uh Highlander I mean we already know that you know from Zach singing we already have the amazing soundtrack (laughs) uh, (laughs) (laughs) the amazing soundtrack by Queen but one of the one of the coolest things about Highlander is that it had a ton of singers that came on the show to portray immortals over the years. So they had Roland Gift from Fine Young Cannibals. He played a character named Xavier St. Cloud. I thought um, that was good. him. When I was looking through episodes, I was like, is that the lead singer for Fine Young Cannibals? Yep. Yeah. She drives me wow. crazy. And like his, his character's like was pretty badass too. It wasn't just like yeah. you know, he was he was he was pretty cool. And they had and, and, um, well, he was in multiple episodes too, it looked like. Yeah, yeah. Like, like over like over time. Like it was wow. he came yep. back over the course of like four seasons or so. Got his hand cut off at one point. Yeah, yeah, had a yeah. Hook hand. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a whole thing because they got his hand cut off, but then he comes back, and you're like, "What's he gonna do?" And he has this whole setup where he's like getting all the other immortals. Um, and then he had uh, characters like Joan Jett, um, Vanity. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Who else is on there? Um, Roger Daltrey. Yeah, Roger, Roger Daltrey. Daltrey. That's what I was thinking of. So Roger Daltrey, especially, like, so he was. He was the one, like, clearly he's Roger Daltrey, so you're like, that's cool. But it, it, he, 
he brought something to the show that was more than just Roger Daltrey on my screen. So he played this character named Fitzcairn, who was a who was a uh, old friend of Duncan McLeod's, and he would just come in and bring such fun energy. And again, he was just as much a recurring character over the course of five seasons or so. Um, and you know, it just it it made the show so much fun to watch over the years, yeah. watching them have these people come in um, and sort of like you know, take it into places that you don't normally see TV, especially at the time. And then it gets kind of weird to say, because on one hand, the show's like, yeah, I, I keep hearing people say cheesy about everything. And I think that word's overused now. Um, but they're like, you know, in hindsight, there's an element to the show of being that. Um, it's because it is like, it's very 90s. It's like very 90s. Yeah. It's unapologetically 90s. <laughs> yeah. It's very 90s. Yeah. But, you know, like it was the 90s. So, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but again, like with the exotic locations, with uh, the, like the time travel, like, not literal time travel, but like the the flashbacks to different locations, and they would um, go through great lengths to like at least pretend they were like in ancient China or something like that. Um, with the tons of guest stars that they had over the years, um, including um, like Ron Perlman was on, um, like had a guest spot, and um, Andrew Devoff. Andrew Devoff was really good on. Yeah, that. yeah, and um, Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, in the, in the <laughs> yeah, that's episode, right. The, that's the right. gathering. We all watched the the pilot, and that had uh, Richard Mull. Was yeah, in it Richard Mull, and he was yeah, and he he was hammy as hell, but he was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and especially yeah. at the time, that was because you know we had mostly known him as as uh, yeah. Bull, right? And yeah, so yeah. from Night Court, so him it was a uh, really against type and he mm -hmm. had a lot of fun with it um so yeah uh it um it was a show for me that like i like i it's sort of like especially at the time like the world was very much serialized storytelling um so one of the things i noticed about highlander was that it did a really good job of having recurring characters that come in that added um, elements to the show that made you uh, respond to it from an emotional standpoint a little bit more. Um, and that, you know, it's like, that's not really a thing that was a thing then. And like, in some respects, it's not a thing that's done as, as well now. Um, you know, cause I think back, I think to like the current DC CW shows um, when they bring in characters, like they're almost there to stay. And then you have like this huge bloated cast and every episode you're kind of, I can tell the writers are trying to figure out what to do with all these people. Um, but with Highlander, they kept it really lean, but they brought people in and out. And it just, so whenever a character showed up after four or five episodes, you weren't expecting it, it made it really fun. Um, there was also a character named uh, Amanda that was like an old flame of um, Duncan's. Her name was uh, Elizabeth Grayson. She's a former Miss America. It had a yep. might might have had a little uh, tryst with uh, former President Bill Clinton. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was coming out right around the time he was in, you know, having his impeachment trial. 
Um, yep. But yeah, she she became like over the again. She was another character that just over the years she kept showing up, and every time she showed up, it added some fun. She would take off at the end of the episode. You might not see her. She might hang out for four episodes, go away. Um, but it built her and Mythos and the other characters. So after the show was over, she actually got a spinoff show. It only lasted a year, but. Um, Still, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, she was just a really fun character. And you got to see different aspects of immortals and different um, aspects of, uh, like, what that life might be, uh, you know, against what you saw in the original film. Um, So uh, Adrian Paul played Duncan McLeod, who was born about 80 years after... uh, Christopher Lambert's character, Connor McLeod, and they were in the same clan. Um, and Connor was more stoic and moody in the movies, but Duncan McLeod, his character was more swashbuckling, fun, uh, like romantic. Um, that, again, that just, and he was a, a, like kind of a do-gooder. He always did the right thing no matter what, um, which made the show interesting because he would always make the right choice and then he would like sometimes get caught up in that choice um so yeah it was uh it was a really it was a really meaningful show for me um i didn't watch it like right away when it first came on but it kind of i can i would kind of see episodes here or there um and then i think uh there's a there's a two-part episode that really um sort of like made me fall in love and it was uh where he encounters what would have been the original four horsemen that were like 3000 years before. And, um, one of those characters was mythos, his best friend. And like the fallout from that was just, I just remember sitting, watching that episode, like, Oh my God, what's happening? Cause these two are supposed to be friends all along. And, you know, Duncan's always doing the right thing. And Oh no, he found out his friend was death. And it just, it was, it was wild. And I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this on TV, you know? Um, but again, it was in the context of, of like, you know, cheesy nineties. Sure, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're filming everything with limited budgets in Vancouver and sometimes in Paris. So they, they, but they did the best that they could. So now were um, you a fan of the movies before you started watching the show? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I love the original. Um, and I remember being really confused by, <laughs> by the sequel. Um, and like part three came out after, uh, the series had come out, but I actually liked the third movie. So, did, did the th- yeah. third movie have uh, what's his name in it? Uh, Adrian Paul. No, he no, wasn't. The uh, no. fifth one did. Okay, yeah. fourth, fourth or fifth one. Yeah, I was going to say I, the, I knew he popped one, up in one of them. Yeah, he yeah. So they after the after Highlander the series was over, they did a movie mostly based on Highlander the series. But okay. Christopher Lambert came into that, um, so it's kind of like they melded the two um, realities, I guess, a little bit tighter. Yeah, well, and so. Endgame, right? Endgame. Yeah, Highlander Endgame, yeah. yeah. I remember and that. And then they had and another I'm... one after that, but it was terrible. 
and I liked in the pilot here, The Gathering, episode one, The Gathering, uh, we actually have Christopher Lambert, uh, Lambert, uh, you know, reprising his role as Connor. Is, is he going so to, great. is he going to be, does he show up uh, at all for the rest of the series no, uh, other than the, the movie stuff? This, this is just him introducing the show then. Yeah, he was just basically passing the torch. Uh, like in, in real life, he just, he didn't want any of that TV life, you know? No. He no. was like, you know, making movies and, um. And so, but they, they paid him quite a bit. I think it was like $500,000 for like three days of work or something like that. And um, no, no wonder he looks so happy in, in all of his scenes. He right? looks like he's yeah. having he a blast. Like, and that's he really he's did, right? Bank. <laughs> yeah. It makes, it makes that episode though. It like it, what, what a great way to open um, the, the series by having the star of the original sh- film. Like that was kind of unheard of to, to do a, a, a movie adaptation and or television adaptation and have like the original star reprise the role that's kind of that's a big deal you know it legitimized it for sure right for sure yeah it's like oh this guy's and it it tied it to what we already knew in some respects even though it it kind of ignores parts of the original but yeah definitely um, i think wouldn't you say the second the the second one ignored the parts of the original as well? So yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah the sequel quickening. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, no, no one was complaining. Actually, the series actually helped solve a lot of the problems because like everyone wanted to forget agreed. about the the sequel. So, <laughs> well, I remember when that sequel came out because um, I I like you was obsessed with the original Highlander, loved it, and then when the sequel came out, I was so stoked. I'm like, oh wait, how do wait how do they bring Sean Connery back into this. I thought he got his head cut off in the first one. Like, and then of course they do a weird explanation of that, but that second one came out and it bombed because it was terrible. And then they released, so that comes out in bombs. And then the series came out like a, a year or so later, which I was so surprised by and pleasantly surprised. Cause I'm like, Oh great. The franchise is not dead. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah. keeping it alive. Thank, thank the gods. And then they come out with that, uh, director's cut of the quickening, which was even more confusing, and but at the same, time, I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to enjoy it because I love the, the 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 mythology of the whole series. It's a, such a brilliant idea, and I actually like the idea the, the the ideas that the second one touched upon in the director's cut, where they kind of played upon the uh, you know that they're, they're aliens from another world. Um, I don't but like that. the series, you know, like that. <laughs> hey, I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know what? Why not? Like, aren't we all aliens? Don't we all come from some other planet? You know, but uh, but the aliens, series was great. The, the series was awesome, and and yeah, the guest stars were so good. I, I remember that was what made me want to tune in every week. Like, who they, who's going to pop up in this episode? Yeah. Who's going to pop up in that episode? And uh, and and in the original, the original reoccurring characters were great. Um, and and the it kept all the elements that you love from the series, from the movie and threw them into this, you know, and Richard Mall was basically like, you know, his version of uh, Clancy Brown's character he, in the original. I kind of got that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Zach, just, did you watch the entire series? Zach, did you like, did you watch it all the way through or did you only catch like part of it or whatever? I think I watched the first four episodes. I know for sure. I watched the first four episodes and I was obsessed with it up to, up until that point. And then, you know, I got like I mailed away for the catalogs. I might still have a Highlander catalog where it had like posters, and you could order a sword, and you know, wow. for like five hundred dollars, oh, get wow. the Connor McCloud sword, and you could order the VHS tapes. Um, that was in the Quickening VHS box. I remember 
uh, yeah, I, I got to dig it up. I still, I still have it somewhere. Um, and then, you know, the animated series came out and that wasn't very good, but it was diff- It, it kind of played on that whole alien thing again, like being in the other planet. Like there was all over the place. The guy who created Highlander, I don't think he ever envisioned it going much further than it did. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then like, suddenly they're, they're like, wait, no, no, no. We want more of this. Yeah. He's like, okay, okay. Okay. Um, so what happens next? Uh, they're aliens. <laughs> sure. No, that didn't work. No, no, no. Sorry. That was a mistake. My bad. I'm sorry. We made that movie. There's another McLeod. <laughs> Yeah, totally. But Adrian Paul is great. Like he carries such a swagger about him and, and has such a – who would have thought that Christopher Lambert, who's not that great of an actor, let's be honest. He's, he's probably the fact that he's French would made that you know transition tough. Uh, the, 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 the language barrier? I don't know. No, they but literally in it, the Highlander, the original movie, they said he barely spoke any English when he – yeah, took the role. and he can't see. Yeah, and like he's, he's got terrible. Yeah, he almost cut Sean Connery's head off yeah. legit with that sword. I remember um, uh, Michael Ironside told that story because he's like, he almost cut my my face. I'm like, you're not. You, you better do something with those glasses because uh, I'm not shooting a scene with this guy if he's not gonna wear his glasses. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, yeah, I loved I love the series. Watching the pilot again, I've watched that pilot in 20, 30 years. No. 20 years and uh man what a trip to go back down memory lane and i want to watch it again i want to watch the whole series now i know it's got ups and downs and like diallo said there's it's the 90s you know it was all over the place they, they didn't know they were throwing shit at the wall and see what's stuck but uh um, <laughs> yeah but, but that again look, that's man. another thing why i like the shows because like over the over time they were figuring out what was working and what wasn't and they had yeah, they had yeah. to really be like adapt, adapt at like um changing things on the fly and adding things and in general everything they added ended up working so it was like there was a there was a character towards the end of the first season and he played a monk that was an immortal and he ended up actually having um the character's name was darius i I don't remember the actor's name but he ended up having in real life having a brain tumor and he passed away like really quickly and so they had to figure out and he was like becoming this really popular character so they had to figure out a way to like write him off the show um and they actually led to one of the one of the best like uh emotional moments of the show and also led to like a story arc which um, led to uh, what we know as the watchers that became a sort of like the spine of the show after that or like when um, Duncan's uh, girlfriend leaves the show, they added some stuff in there. So they were just really adept as writers as like like kind of taking what was going on uh, in the real world with them and actually turning them into elements that made the show feel more and more fleshed out. Um, so that was I just like as a writer, I, I like I always kind of respond to that part, you know? Plus, like yeah. it's I think it's cool that like, you know, each Highlander that they fight each week has a different sort of vibe to them. And a show yeah. like this really allows you to have fun with that and really, you know, expand outwards and everything. I think, honestly, you know, they, they should have gone with a TV show right after that first movie. It sounds like this is this is the sort of the, the best case scenario for the series. Um, I'm personally not a big fan of the Highlander series. I do enjoy the first Highlander movie. Um, you know, I've only seen it like maybe a handful of times, but every time I see it, I enjoy it. But... 
I unfortunately did see Highlander 2 in the theater when it came out, and I was like, oh, I, everyone's like, this is supposed to be a big deal. I'm like, okay, cool. And I watched it. I was like, this is crap. I was like, no interest. And then when, when you know, so that kind of killed the franchise for me movie-wise. Never really watched anything after that. And then when this series came out, I already had an aversion to the the serialized syndicated shows like like Hercules and Xena. Back in the 90s, I was just full movie all the time guy. And it wasn't until like late 90s, early 2000s that I started getting into TV stuff um, and seeing like, you know, some of the true gold that's in TV. But for the most part, I was never a huge Highlander fan, um, but I, we had this weird connection to this TV show. When I was in film school at Towson uh, and I was taking our editing class, I guess because, you know, they're an accredited film university or they have, they have an accredited film program, that they had, we had access to edit um, a scene from uh, Highlander, the TV show. And I tried to pick Dial's brain. To, I don't remember what like episode it was. I wanted to actually go back and watch that particular episode. But all I remember was that there was this one Highlander that like his whole outfit was kind of whitish. Like he had a white trench coat and he had blonde hair. And I almost think it was maybe Spike from uh, Buffy. If not, if it's not him as the actor, it's what he looks like in my head. But the cool thing is <laughs> we had an entire fight scene. I think they were like fighting in like the Roman Coliseum or something. It was probably like not in Toronto. It was probably over in Paris or whatever where they were filming. But we actually had multiple takes that we could use everything. Like, we had everything to make this one scene. And I That's always thought cool. that was really cool because we got to see, you know, multiple takes from an actual show that existed. And we could put together, you know, an editing, you know, put fight, edit a fight scene together. And honestly, it was one of my favorite classes and favorite projects that I did. But I never really, you know, watched the show after that. Now that I've seen the, the pilot, you know, I can say that I, I probably will never move forward with it. But <laughs> I, I, I understand. I totally get why people dig it. I totally understand why people are into Highlander. It just doesn't connect to me. Funny, like, it had its chance with the sci-fi in part two, you know, because sci-fi, that's Corey's thing. You know, I'm just not a big fantasy kind of guy. I'm not a big sword swords kind of a guy. And, and they just, that sci-fi element just didn't really work and then it seems like they even kind of didn't even lean into it you know kind of moving forward with the tv show and i do agree that this is looks like it's the best version of highlander that you can get outside of the original first movie but it's just it's not my cup of tea but you know it's i i, I was impressed by what they did and i was impressed by the fact that it was on for like six or seven years so that says that I'm wrong in this scenario. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I, I yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'm just, I was going to say, I mean, I, I think in this scenario, I'm wrong. It's, it's a, it's a Corey thing. It's not a, it's not a Highlander thing is what I wanted to say. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, I actually don't think you're wrong. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> like that. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about Highlander, the show is that, it's it's this weird place where it like it was on for you know six years and it's a part of this franchise that just kind of like won't go away, but I in some ways I feel like Highlander exists in spite of itself, um, like or despite despite itself I should say, um, and the it it's sort of like a niche cultish kind of fan base and it it's not like you know people people understand the first movie but that's kind of it so i don't and like i think again for myself like 
I kind of like popped in and out for the first three seasons. I didn't really watch it till like the fourth. And part of that was just because I was like out and about doing stuff. But then when I finally like kind of saw a couple episodes, it kind of got intrigued. I started watching because it was in syndication and then I um, could follow it. So yeah, and like I, I kind of don't. I mean, you're you're not wrong, <laughs> like because I, I don't think it's it is for everybody. And there's and um, I think Zach, you said it earlier. There's there's like there's like an element to the show where like it, it clear. Or no, Corey, you might have said, but like clearly they didn't think past the first movie. Like nobody thought it was gonna be what it was gonna be. And in terms of like uh, world building and that kind of stuff, like there there really isn't much. There wasn't much in the first movie. And like the, one of the things I liked about the show is that they built on that as they went along. Yeah. But there's, I mean, there are some questions that never really get answered that like probably should. Like, you know, you don't really understand like why they follow these rules. They just kind of do, um, which, you know, again, so there's like a, a bit of like um, mystery to things that I don't think that they ever could think of like a good answer for. Um, and, but then that's also kind of what draws me to it because it feels like there's this unknown mystery always. And you can use your imagination and kind of like be an active participant in the show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think a big difference though, like, you know, whereas John Carpenter would make a movie and say, you know, I'm, I'm purposely leaving this up to the viewer to decide what happens next. I think in this case, it's more of like. So wh- wh- what do you guys think happens next? <laughs> More like your guess is as good as mine, which is totally fine. And I'm kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised that this this series was as popular as lasted as long as it has. And the franchise has lasted as long as it has, because I remember, you know, around the time Buffy came out and like you said, Xena and Hercules. And I was not into those shows. It just wasn't for me. Uh, like I, I just never got into them, uh, but, but they had conventions for all those shows, like specifically, right. They had a Xena convention and a Hercules convention and a Buffy convention. And I don't think they had a Highlander specific convention, but they combined it with a couple others. And the fact that it got like, you know, a convention with two other shows attached to it and they had the whole cast there. It's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big get for, you know, for the creators to be like, Hey, Look, we created this thing out of nothing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and it's funny because I know the first one gets like it, it, in, in the cult world. It's it's huge. Right. People, whenever you mention Highlander to people, they're just, they're just like, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And don't get me wrong. I love Highlander and I love this series. But it's so interesting that it, it doesn't. Um, it, it, it's like who would ever thought that this film this franchise would continue till today like you bring it up to today outside of our little cult fandom people still know about it yeah. it's like oh yeah that's the thing with the sword and the head and yeah. queen you there know and probably queen one. helped it yeah. yeah and queen probably yeah. definitely helped it you know yeah. and that first movie it. is is so unique and so iconic and oh, yeah. you know and like honestly it falls under sort of the the matrix problem where the very first movie has such a gr- beginning and an end and it's it's closed and it's there should be no more yeah, like it. the highlanders like that you know and you know but at the same time 
as a fan of, of franchises and stuff, you know, I know that like, you know, the Highlander franchise went off the rails, but I know, you know, for the movie wise, but I know that there, it has such a fan base. I am from like one, a fan of a franchise being Star Wars or whatever. I'm happy that the fans of Highlander have the TV show, you know, to kind of make up for the faults of, of the second movie and, and whatever, you know, but it's cool. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that this exists for, for the fans of Highlander and to keep the, the whole thing going. I just personally mean, me, I only ever need to see the first movie, I, and I like it. I enjoy the first movie. I'll watch it anytime because I actually think it's really good. It just wasn't one that I have like a nostalgic love for it. I kind of, I, I found, I, I discovered its greatness like in my late twenties, like in my adult life, you know. And uh, I'm, but you know, and that's fun. I'll watch it at any point in time. But moving forward, I probably won't watch much. But like I said, I'm glad that the fans of Highlander have this show to to enjoy and keep the series going. We're glad too it's, because those sequels yeah. suck. <laughs> yes, the, the, hi, uh, the Highlander series is like the Mandalorian for those Star Wars. Movies. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. <laughs> I know. So. <laughs> people, are, people, people are going to listen to that and then they're going to watch the show and they're like, "It's nowhere near as good as Mandalorian." Like, yo, 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 yo. It's the '90s Mandalorian. So. Yeah, it's the 90s. <laughs> you know what? And 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 legit. Like, I don't know if Diallo had mentioned it, but legit. The sword fighting that goes on is off the chain. Yeah. Like they yeah. actually really fight each other with swords in this thing, and it's really the actors. It's not the stunt, the stunt uh, doubles or whatever. They do a really great job. Adrian Paul is a badass. Yeah, Adrian Paul is like a really athletic, and yeah, he he. I think he teaches sword fighting now, actually. So really, yeah, cool. Like, and in the. And in the pilot, there was a really cool shot at the very end in the climax where when they're fighting, he's fighting fighting Richard Mull, they like basically shoot a giant lamp, you know, and create shadows on the building across from the bridge as oh, they're yeah. fighting. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's, cool. that's a that's a very big concept shot for a a TV show, you know, like yeah. that took some setting up to do. So I was I was really impressed with what they were able to do on a TV show's budget in that pilot episode very very impressed and i like that they, the, when the swords clash they they spark and everything i thought that was really fucking cool too that that was something they, they didn't need to do that and i know they had to run like like um things like wires up the sword to kind of create that spark thing but every time that effect happens i am it always i'm always sold by it you know and i right, always think right. it's really cool it was just for, yeah, for me it's just the fact like you they were having a sword fight this is that's just mm-hmm. what i waited for every episode you know yeah and yeah um and then watching and they, the and quickening went... and how they because each quickening was like a little different and you were trying to figure out like how they were going to artistically make this one or that one <laughs> so that was always kind of yeah. fun to watch too what <laughs> uh... i love too is like it's it, it's a it's a period piece show all the flashbacks you think about all the every episode they're going back in time and and you know, doing things that on a like like Diallo, you said on a shoestring budget, like uh, accomplishing effective stuff, yeah. you know, and and that's that's really cool that they were able to pull like look, Doctor Who was doing shit like that in a way if you think about it. So back in the day, and this was just a higher a little bit more uh, of a budget, <laughs> but yeah. I, I loved it. What they were able to accomplish pulled it off for me, and I mean, I'll I'll definitely rewatch this series. I. I don't know when within within the world that we exist in now uh, between my Wings Hauser movies, but <laughs> I will uh, I will definitely be watching more Highlander in in the seasons to come. And you're right, dude. Like the guy who plays um, Joe Dawson, Jim Barnes, the blues yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, like like I said, the 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 the, the side the supporting actors in this are so good. 
And it's such a bummer about Stan Kirsch because that guy, he had a great charisma on on screen. Like yeah. he really he was, was fun. Fun to yeah. And his character arc as the series goes on is really cool. yeah. It gets really good uh, after yeah after first couple seasons he yeah goes some places and it's really cool to see. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life, strange-but-true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. And now back to the show. Well, it's it's so. definitely an ambitious show, and uh, well, thematically, I should say all three of our shows are ambitious. Is probably no their doubt. their main theme. Although I kind of uh, dropped the ball with mine with Briscoe County Junior because I'm realizing now that both of your shows are continuations of movies, and I should have thematically uh, kept <laughs> with that. So I, that's my fault, and I didn't even I didn't even notice it until we were literally just talking about it wow. now. So okay, um, but. But, like I said, all three, I think, are very, very ambitious, and we're trying to be and do bigger things than sort of their budget allowed. So we're going to go into the 80s with Zack and War of the Worlds, and this is also a continuation of uh, a movie, which was the 1953 War of the Worlds War of the Worlds film, and, uh, and and that should be noted because there were so many other War of the World things, like the book, the radio play, and everything like this, but your show that Zach's about to talk about is a sequel to that actual specific movie. Yeah, it actually does connect with the original film and features a really authentically accurate-looking clip from the movie with this, with this crazy, uh, you know, use of... I don't know green screen with a with a young actor that's supposed to portray the the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really bad. It's actually terrible. But um, this show is this show's a guilty pleasure. Like War of the War, I I only watched a handful of episodes from this original series that came out in eighty uh, eight. It ran from October of eighty eight till May of nineteen ninety. It ran for two seasons, and it was a syndicated show like Highlander as well. Uh, and I remember when it first came out, and the opening scared the shit out of me. Uh, the aliens scared the crap out of me. The way they kind of consumed or killed people scared the crap out of me. Uh, so much so that I couldn't show it to Bodhi because I was like, no, this is going to give you nightmares. This is definitely going <laughs> to terrify you. Uh, but, yeah, it, it the, the pilot, which is a uh, – a 90-minute pilot, which you can find on YouTube, but do not watch that version because yeah. it is terrible. Yeah, picture quality uh, it, is – in a lot of the shows, it's is dark, and the picture yeah. quality is is just utterly atrocious. Like I, It's terrible. It was almost like just listening to an audio play because <laughs> I, I couldn't see shit almost. Which is, which is actually what I did at times. I just closed my eyes and listened to it because I was sleepy. Uh, but I, the, Paramount put out a 
double disc set of season one and season two if you're interested in checking that out i kind of am because it's not that expensive and I'm like maybe i want to go down this road i know that the second season kind of fell off the rails hence it only lasting two seasons unlike highlander which got better with time this kind of got worse with time because um the some of the main characters that we loved on the show got killed off by the end of the first season spoiler alert but war of the worlds was a another canadian uh program and it starred uh, jared martin as harrison blackwood he's the son of uh two main characters from the original war of the worlds movie who got killed off and yeah they do like a flashback sequence where they show a clip from the movie and and his character wears like a a hat at times in the show and he's wearing like a bucket hat like a fisherman's bucket hat and the little kid in the flashback it's like on a obvious green screen and they have this little kid with a bucket hat walking by like mommy (laughs) (laughs) knowing his mom and dad have died um but he plays this scientist like professor at a college and uh and and he's investigating the the paranormal activities that are not the paranormal the the alien activities that are taking a place amongst us and the opening episode that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the series um i would call them like like what do you call them like fascist guerrilla radicals eco-terrorists over eco yeah eco-terrorists taking over a military compound which just happens to house the aliens from the 1950s war of the world in these plastic drums (laughs) and which accidentally kind of get shot open and in a gun battle against the military and the aliens escape and all hell breaks loose and it's kind of an invasion of the body snatchers deal they they break away from the original story uh very much so hg wells and all that because it ends up becoming like invasion of the body snatchers in in a way um they 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 consume other humans by um like attacking them through their bellies i don't know if i'm describing that really well or not but like the alien arms come out of the the human bellies once they've died they consume the human and they consume the other humans that way um they eye gouge the alien the humans in a really grotesque way uh and then they get melted through there's a lot of melting going on mm-hmm. in this series um but but what i the reason i chose this series and maybe it's the same reason Corey, when he was begrudgingly like oh i wanted to do that one. i was so mad Son at you bitch. i was so mad at you for picking this one <laughs> I, I think and and it's good that i chose it because you can pontificate as well um <laughs> I chose it because one of the lead actors on the show is like one of my was one of my favorite characters from one of my favorite movies. Um, as a kid watching Predator, one of my favorite characters in Predator was uh, the well the actor's name his name's Richard Chavez and he plays Poncho in Predator. Motherfucking Ponch, baby. And he yeah. plays a colonel, a soldier in um, in the in the War of the Worlds TV series, yeah. and it's like him. It's uh, Jared Martin, Harrison Blackwood, um, and Suzanne McCullough, who's like a, the professor's. She kind of comes in as a an assistant, and and then they end up teaming up together. And then um, Philip Aiken, who plays Norton Drake, and Norton uh, Philip Aiken was also in the Highlander series which is a really cool connection. There's one other one we'll talk about in a minute, uh, obviously. But uh, those are like the four main dudes of the uh, four main characters of the original season. Um, Unfortunately, two of those characters get killed at the end of the first season, which was 
I think that's when I tapped out too. I was like, oh, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you killed off my favorite character. <laughs> like, I don't care anymore. And um, the character of Norton, who, who's played by Philip Drake, he's a paraplegic and he's like the scientist who's always like kind of uh, trying to figure out, you know, he's in a lab most of the time. And, and I, I just love his character. I love his, um, I love it. If you like look up the, the details of this on IMDb or, wikipedia they're like oh he he kind of adopted a caribbean accent in the first few episodes and then he abandoned it well he's from jamaica so <laughs> you know it's not too far from home it's not like kofi kingston in the wwe like doing a jamaican accent but the guy's like from you know los angeles or something um the series was good i i liked it it, it was kind of a precursor to x-files you know and the fact that it was filmed up in up in canada and it kind of has that air about it um the aliens, there were like, at one point, there there becomes these, the, the, the main alien leaders are like these three aliens that are wearing like trench coats and goggles on their eyes. And they're, they're having to um, protect themselves from the environment. And they become the basis of like the the main leaders of all the aliens. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a battle of like us versus them. Um, and I really loved the show back then. I... I Watching the pilot, I was reminded why I liked it, and now I want to rewatch it, even though I know certain characters are going to get killed. Uh, and according to what I read online, the second season kind of falls off the rails a little bit. But that first season, man, like it, it was, it was what I needed when I needed it. Yeah. You know, it came out at a time when syndicated television was not that good, uh, and it was just starting to blow up. Right, it came out before Highlander. It came out before Xena and Hercules and Buffy and you know, Pacific blue and, um, you know, all the other shows that we mentioned earlier that, uh, that damn Rick Springfield show with his, which is not called North shore, mind you, it's something else. Anyways, I'll, I'll come up with it by the end of this episode. Um, but I love war of the worlds. Uh, and that's why I chose it. Yeah, dude. And that's my feelings about it. It was shown on sci-fi channel for a while. And I remember revisiting it there. I'm like, Oh shit, they got war of the worlds back on TV. And it was great. It was great. I, uh, oh, and I will say the side note. Sorry. One more thing I'll just add to that is I love this show so much that we had to write a essay about a book, any book we wanted. Right. So I told my teacher, I'm like, oh, I'm doing War of the Worlds. And she's just like, OK, great. So I w- wrote my essay based on the radio play and this TV series. <laughs> and she read the essay and she goes, this isn't War of the Worlds. I go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's A.G. Wells, War of the Worlds. Right. <laughs> She's no, 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 this is not. What, what is this? I go, no, it is. And I had to confess to her that I wa- that I took it from the radio play and the TV series, and she gave me a D minus. Oh, come on. So. At least, at least she hated me. She hated me. At least me. give me a C for, <laughs> for trying. I, I still actually have that essay. If I can find it, I'll I'll pull it out and show you because it's like D minus. Um, this is not the original book or something like that. And, and then go fuck you yourself, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> You went on to be the showrunner for War of the Worlds, the TV series. Exactly. <laughs> I brought it back. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Starring Tom Cruise. So that, no, that that's uh, that's my connection to it. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, Zach, my connection is very similar to you. Um, I <laughs> like you. I also liked uh, what was his? I always forgot his name because I always just call him Ponch. Um, Richard Chavez. Oh, Chav- Rich, yeah. 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 I, I, so. <laughs> I saw Predator in the theater, as you all know from listening to this podcast, and 
Ponch was my favorite member of the rescue team. I don't know why. You don't know Me why too. as a kid. You just latch on to people and characters. I like the way he talked, or I liked his gun. I don't know. Whatever the reason, Ponch was always my favorite character of the rescue team. Still is. And so when I saw War of the World show, because when, when did you say it came out, Zach? 88. 88. So it came out a year after Predator, I believe, right? Because yeah. I think that was 87. Yeah. So I saw Predator in the theater, so I'd already seen it. So I was like, oh, cool. Freaking Ponch right there. And he is awesome in this show right like he's fucking fantastic like he's delivering the same level of quality in the show as he is in the movie and he sounds I think, great i think that's i think maybe that because i know you and i kind of share the same brain at times i think that may be one of the reasons why you liked it as much as i did because richard chavez where is like you know um the guy who played billy um i'm blanking on his name right now um in Mutant? Yeah. That's the Billy that's coming to my head first. In no, Mutant. no, no. In, in, <laughs> Predator. in Predator. Oh, Predator. yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy, yeah, yeah. You know, he he, he went on to play uh, villains in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jesse Ventura is Jesse Ventura, you know, mm-hmm. and Carl Weathers is Carl Weathers, and Bill Duke is Bill Duke. Like, all those other guys. Uh, the only guys I didn't recognize in Predator un- un- initially was Shane Black and Richard Richard Chavez. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so... When I see Richard Chavez, you know, playing that character in Predator, which I loved, and he's basically playing a very similar yeah. character in, uh, you know, Sonny Landon, by the way. It's Sonny yeah. Landon. R.I.P. R- uh, R- Sonny Landon. Yeah, R.I.P. Um, I, You know, Richard Chavez, he has a very, like, one note, what, you know, what do you mean? We got to get out of here. Like, that kind of, like, chiseled thing. Yeah. And then he goes on and does the same thing in War of the Worlds. And I think it was like a continuation of, and so often as a kid, I didn't want to see Michael Bean play a villain in the abyss. Yeah. Like I wanted to see him play Hicks yeah. again in another movie, you know, cause you idealize these actors in these roles. So you see this guy and you're like, Oh, he's really cool. And then you see him in war of the worlds. And you're like, Oh, he's really cool. Yeah, and, in he, this. and he's just as cool in, in war of the worlds as he is in, yeah. in predator. And so I, I completely agree with you. That is definitely like, he is 50% of the reason I love, love the show. And the other 50% is, Yes, I always talk about how much I love Star Wars, Ghostbusters, Aliens, Tron, and Mad Max, like those those five franchises. But when I was a kid, I also watched a lot of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That's another movie that I absolutely adore. Um, and I watched a lot of them uh, with the, you know, the giant ant movie. I loved that movie as a kid. That was another sci-fi film. Um, Zach and I have talked. I also loved Enemy Mine as a kid a lot for some reason. But <laughs> yeah, War of the good. Worlds was the fifth of, like, the non-main, you know, franchises. I watched War of the Worlds all the fucking time, the, the 1953 version. And so when I, oh, when this show too. came out, first off, I was excited because it was clearly a continuation of the, of the 1953 movie. Um, they yep. even had the, the, the UFOs, the spaceships in them, which I still yep. to this day think that I, that design is iconic. It was I a love great that shot in the pilot, by the way. Really right, cool when they scene. were the yeah. three of them. Yeah, the three of them yeah. hovering there. And even when they blew up, like, the explosion stayed within the force field, which is really cool. That was, that was really thought out, to be honest with you, because they blew up from the yeah. inside and they stayed. Anyways, I loved that. And for some, because, like, you know, 1988, I was like 10. So 
I understood why they had to go with the whole like taking over the bodies. Like I, I was like, I get it. I get it. The I get budgets. I kind of understood budgets. And I was like, you can't yeah, just have these yeah. creatures run around willy nilly. I was like, I understand why it works. But then as an adult and just watching it as like story wise, I'm like, oh, this this works. Like this was a very smart decision you guys made. It works. And whenever the hand comes out of the person's chest, you like it's like you said, Zach, that freaked me the fuck too. Too, oh, as it's a kid. still freaky. And it's it's very effective. It's ve- so that this this show I felt when I was a kid. What I loved about it was it was a continuation of a movie that I loved. It didn't just negate the canon because I was also at no. the same time used to things like real Ghostbusters where they won't ever talk about the movie. You know, like even though it clearly is an extension of a movie, they still will not address the movie. So I was like, oh, this is a continuation of the film and that's really cool and paunch is awesome and then little things after that like i like the i like the setup of having their base on the cottage you know and 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 again it's such a a fantastic tv budget thing where you just take this ranch that you can film from the outside and say oh but it's a secret government facility and then have sets on the inside you know it's it's perfect i love that shit that's the kind of like 80s you know, uh, you know, TV situations that I actually really, really like, you know, and then the stuff that they're dealing with is, is pretty fucking heavy. So, and I like, I will say this and and Zach, maybe either or in ideal, we haven't really heard from you about it, but my one question after watching the pilot, does everyone know that the, that the events of the movie happened, you know what I mean? Or like, is that national history? Like, or, or do they cover it up? Does have people forgotten about it? Like, that's what the one thing I couldn't understand. Cause, cause on one hand, Ponch was like, Oh, I don't believe that they're aliens. But on the other hand, he was like, well, I understand that that attack happened in the 1950s, but that was a little bit inconsistent. I couldn't quite place it. But other than that, yeah, I thought that pilot episode was a lot of fun. And I've had, honestly, guys, I've had the, War of the Worlds DVD box set sitting on my Amazon wish list for like literally like eight years and I'm like fuck it I'm just gonna fucking buy it because I, I love this show and I want to watch it and not have to see the all the digital hits from the the YouTube right. video I want to actually yeah. see it so yeah. that's that's my thoughts on on War of the Worlds I think it holds up well and I fucking loved it Dalla what'd you think buddy so this it was weird for me because like I you know I've seen a lot of different shows but this is one of those blind spots for me where I don't know why I missed it I don't know what I was doing I don't know where it I don't know what it came on um, if it was on cable, that's probably why I didn't see it because we didn't have cable when was, I was. It was on TV forty four. Oh, was it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember it at all. But at a weird time for us, it yeah. was on like I don't know, like seven o'clock on a Sunday or something. Or okay. Something weird yeah, maybe like I was just watching other stuff. But yeah, I just I can I so I kind of vaguely remembered it. But so this was actually my first time watching the the pilot, um, and it was pretty interesting. Like. Again, you know, I what I think what Corey you were saying how you could tell even as a ten year old the choices they made because they didn't have the budget. I totally could see that going on, um, and then yeah. I thought it was I thought it was clever and it worked. And I really like the thing that made me. I was so when I first started watching it, I was a little kind of skeptical a little bit about it, but when they mentioned the line of the attack back in the 50s and i was like oh wait this is actually like a part of like 
the movie, then I I kind of I got really invested and interested in it. So, um, the so the pilot they it they were like setting up the characters more. It felt like and kind of setting up what the overall story was going to be. So I didn't really get a good sense of like, um, like the action that was going to be taking place on the show. But I also was watching it being like, Oh yeah. Like I, I totally could see myself watching this. You know, if I, if I had, a, <laughs> I literally have no idea why I never even saw the show. Like I, I, like I wanted to go back and like try to find old TV schedules just to see, just to well, see what I was watching at the time instead of watching this, it was really. Strange I think it's a, you're making a really good point though because it was hard to find, and I think that's why I, I would watch a few episodes at a time. It got moved around a lot, okay. At least in the Bay Area, because you know, for everyone listening, Diallo and I grew up in the Bay Area, around the same area, so we got the same stations. And yeah, War of the Worlds was hard to find, and and it, it would like. It was on like at three o'clock sometimes on a Sunday, and then it would be like on seven o'clock. It oh, got moved all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I right? had I watched it on the East Coast. I remember it was a Sunday show. Um, that's that's kind of where I remember seeing it. And the funny thing is about watching the pilot. I mean, because you know I have all these fond memories of the show, and and they're just piecemealed because I have no continuity to it. So when I'm watching the the pilot episode that we were the two parter that we watched. Um, it, that was what I thought was the series finale in my head. I didn't realize that was literally the beginning of the series. So I'm like, oh shit, I, my, my brain is like, it's all over the place with the show. I have no continuity to it. So it was interesting to see that. But I do remember that like, yeah, I just feel like it was one of those shows that whenever I caught it, it was just an episode that I didn't really quite know what was happening because it was all out of, out of you know, order and everything. But at the same time, I freaking loved it because of fucking punch well well the, the the cool thing is you could watch it out of order because it it not every episode would line up mm-hmm. you know in in that way where if you missed one episode you're like wait what happened i mean there were there were some absurd episodes one was like they, they uh the aliens tried to take over a college uh you know like frat house and like a frat frat boy gets in charge uh he gets becomes one of the head aliens and he tries to take over everybody it gets a little silly at times uh, but the gore factor was always great yeah. and i think that's what kind of hurt it because people were like oh this is too gory to show kids let's shove it into like a weird time slot so no one's watching mm-hmm. you know at this time that's what i'm i'm assuming probably happened um because it definitely should be revisited. It definitely should be rewatched. It, not in this format, not in the YouTube format because it's so bad. Oh. So please, if you're listening and you want to watch it, just, just invest a little bit, you know? Um, yeah, I think the DVD box set's only like nine ninety nine or twelve ninety nine, or cheap. So It's pretty yeah. cheap on Amazon new. So yeah, that might've been why I had a more difficult time watching the pilot for that too, because it was really bad quality. It, like I think Corey, you said it was really dark. So, yeah, yeah um, it was really dark. And, and, and I think, too, the it, it being so character driven and kind of starting the trying to outline all these characters in the first 90 minutes of this long series um, kind of held it back a little bit because the action finally picks up in the first couple of episodes. Hardcore. I mean, but then, you know, there, there's this cool connection uh, outside of Norton's character, um, that actor. Phil Aiken, Philip Aiken being in Highlander. But in the second season, obviously they killed off one of the most beloved characters of the show for whatever reason. 
Uh, and then they replace him with another character played by the Highlander himself, Adrian Paul. I and saw he was that. like a mercenary. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I remember I started to, I think I started to watch a couple episodes and I was into it and I was like, no, I don't. I don't know. And, but according to what everything I've read, and I'm still going to watch the second season. Yeah. Everything I've read, it, it kind of just devolves. But here's the thing. Like, these are all nostalgic shows for us. And, and, and nostalgia, as I said before, is one hell of a drug. So you start watching something again. You're like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to let that go. Yeah. I, I just want to see these guys again on screen. I want to see what happens. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So good. Ah, oh, we're the worlds, man. Oh, so good. I, and... I had a I had a point uh, earlier today, you know, and I have all my little random Twitter uh, thoughts now that I'm back on Twitter. <laughs> hey, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, that's another big uh, uh, thing to announce. Yeah. That you're back on Twitter. I got out of Twitter jail after two years. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was wild. Um, but no, I, you know, when you're talking, <laughs> when you're talking about uh, nostalgia, like I actually I had this thought earlier today. And, like, sometimes we dismiss those things and we say we only like them because of nostalgia. But, like, you actually liked it, liked it at a certain time. Oh, yeah. So, like, so, like, yeah, it might not in context of, like, 20 years, 30 years. Sometimes you watch a movie and maybe a year later you don't like it as much. But, like, there was a time when you watched it and you loved it. So don't, like, disregard that time. Like, it was perfect for the moment that you saw it you know what i mean totally no yeah no i i am definitely of that mindset like whenever i watch something now i, I watch it 100 percent. going i love this as a kid and that's why i still love it now yeah um versus other people who might watch something and go oh yeah well it's so 80s or it's so 90s you know it's right on the cusp and everything and um yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying. But, but I also yeah. think that War of the Worlds, like, led the, paved the way for some high-concept, you know, syndicated TV shows like Highlander. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have and had... And X-Files. And X-Files. I'm not saying yeah, we wouldn't have had those shows like without that. War of the Worlds, but, like, like I mean, th- that was kind of one of the beginnings. They, they were really trying to do something big with this show and, you know, make it syndicated, but also kind of keep it connected and everything. I think that, I give them, you know, they, they tried. They really tried with it. Yeah, for a show that, like, for, for 1988, like, a show like that, like, it's syndication, like, that was, like, unheard of, really. They, they didn't really have, like, the only syndicated shows that they really had that were going were mostly, like, sitcoms, yeah. and it wasn't until, like, the like the early 90s when you got into, like, you mentioned, like, Hercules and that kind of stuff. So it was pretty impressive that they even tried it and had that kind of thing, and um, you can, yeah, and yeah, I could... I can sort of like when I was reading the description of season two, I can kind of tell that they probably were trying to figure out what could make things work better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, that happens. That happens more often than than not, actually. So it's like I wouldn't hold that against the show for. Yeah. Oh, for no, that, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So. De- definitely. Definitely worth a, a rewatch. Yeah. I will watch the second season yeah. gladly. Um, but you're right about the the sitcoms being predominant in the in the 80s like small wonder and secret identity and you know shit like that that was that was big out of this world and i think captain power was one of the few like kind of uh adult even though it was a kid's show it still had kind of adult themes 
to do, you know, dealing. I'm sure that I'm sure Captain Power will pop up eventually, well, right? Yeah, of course. Sure <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, like, look at War of the Worlds compared with another show that we did, Misfits of Science. Like, those come out roughly the same time, and how how much different tonally War of the Worlds is. Like, you know, it's trying to be like a horror TV show, and it, it was a horror TV yeah. show for sure. And that's what's that's was, what's cool yeah. about it. And it's just, yeah, I do think it was, I do think it was a little bit ahead of its time, and and some of that had to do with having you know one of your leads be like this movie actor as well and having him turn in a a performance that's just as good as his you know performance in predator you know so like i think it has a lot going for it and i highly recommend people checking it out to be honest with you uh, it's a shame that it's a shame that he did not go on to bigger things. I hope um, that we interview him one day because I Frankie, I, he's awesome. I love I love his hope. voice. He's freaking yeah. awesome. Corey's in, Corey is inceptioning uh, this interview in the future. <laughs> don't hope. Just 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 say it. Just, just say believe. it. Yes, there you go. Yep, yep. We will be interviewing Poncho from Predator in what in the future. I, I, I won't say who we're interviewing soon on the air, Diallo, but I will say that there's been oftentimes Corey will be like, oh, we got to talk to that guy. And the next thing you know, I'll be like, hey, guess who we're talking to next week? <laughs> <laughs> our, our next guest, uh, the one Zach just sent me today, mind blown. Again, mind blown. So out Bruce of- <laughs> Valanche. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you know, two what? inside. Sorry, two inside. I, I yeah, story. inside baseball. And you know, one of the people we're going to interview one day is Bruce Campbell. That's I'm putting it out there. It's it's oh, out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. Speaking of Bruce Campbell, by the way, uh, I, I know you're you're about to segue into your show. Yeah, thanks for killing and, my segue. 
<laughs> Sorry, I just I just have to say, uh, before you announce what your show is, I found a they did a reunion um, uh, on YouTube, like an hour long reunion uh, of this of show. Guys. Yeah, of Briscoe, oh, wow. entire ca- of Briscoe County Junior. Yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> this uh, last year, last year a no Zoom, shit. a Zoom wow. reunion. Well, honest, it's on YouTube. Honestly, I mean that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna be talking about the Adventures of Briscoe County Junior, which was pr- premiered in 1993 with 27 episodes. It was only one season. It aired on Fox. And uh, you know that that makes sense that there that there's still talk about it because I mean it was a critical darling when it hit. Um, it was also at the beginning a ratings darling as well, but it kind of slowly fell down on the back end. Um, and then Fox does what Fox does, which is just shit can it. Although <laughs> I will say to this day, I, it was I think I was I was Dial and I were hanging out like years ago, and I was like. You know, lamenting the fact that we lost uh, season two uh, or, you know, no more Sarah Connor Chronicles and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was begrudging uh, Fox and I was, you know, angry at Fox for canceling it. And to this day, I still use this. What you told me, Diallo, you said, yeah, Fox cancels a lot of shows. They don't give them a lot of like a chance, but they are also they will green light so many like niche shows than anyone else would. Like, I don't think the, the, the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. would have been greenlit on any other network. And, uh, and to this day, uh, Diallo, every time I think about shitting on Fox, I always hear you in my head saying, <laughs> but, but they also green light more than anybody else. And I'm like, God damn it, Diallo. Why do you have to be right all the fucking time? <laughs> it's not that I just think outside of the box a little bit. That's all. <laughs> they would have, they would have, it would have had, a longer shelf life on syndication though yeah i, I, I do oh, agree yeah. so it, it was um it was created by jeffrey bohm and uh, uh carlton cuss um they actually worked on uh, indiana jones and the last crusade together and they were mandated by uh um, the president of fox to kind of come up with a new show they wanted something fun just kind of capturing the last crusade vibe knowing that that makes a lot of sense to me now like how why briscoe county jr feels sort of the way it is um totally. and uh you know obviously uh bruce campbell is the lead he plays briscoe county jr with uh arlie ermy as briscoe county senior in the premiere um i also found it interesting when i was doing the research for this episode i found it interesting that bruce campbell had to audition for this role multiple times because when you Whoa. watch it this series i always thought was made specifically made for, for me him. too i yeah. had no idea yeah, yeah I literally thought same. it was a vehicle for him. That's crazy. I I did too up until today, and also wow. up until today. I love the show, guys. That's first off. When I was a kid, when this came on, I freaking loved it. My dad loved it. I sent him a text saying we're going to review it on the show, and he's like, "Oh, I fucking love that show." And I was like, "I fucking know you did." So I'm going to mention it on the <laughs> on the episode, and I awesome. I absolutely adored this show on TV, and one of my absolute fucking favorite characters not just of the show but of like tv characters and i was reminded rewatching this was lord bowler and lord bowler is played by julius carey who plays show nuff in the last dragon i am this year old i am this old when i found out that information and i have and i've never seen the last dragon um and the funny thing is i literally 
and more I'm so infinitely more excited to see the last dragon now because of Lord Bowler. Like you don't understand guys, I fucking loved Lord Bowler as a kid and I loved his relationship with Briscoe County Jr. and during the course of the series, not the episodes that we watched, but the course of the series, they go from like adversaries to like they work together and then by the end of this first season/series, they're actually like friends. And that was done because Bruce Campbell and and uh, Julius Carey had such good rapport together. And I mean, it's it's oozing in the very first like episodes. You're like, oh, yeah, they, you can tell they're having a good time together. They're just like, fuck it. We just going to turn these people into friends. And I, I loved that. I thought that was awesome. Uh, so the the idea behind the show is that Briscoe County Jr. It's it's almost the turn of the century. And which is also a theme for the show is that is that basically it's the end of the Wild West. It's coming into uh, it's like 18. It's like 1893 or something. So they always Bruce Campbell's kind of like obsessed with the fact that things are about to change, you know, and and that's an underlying theme of the actual show. But he plays Briscoe County Jr., who is a he's a, um, a Harvard graduate. Like he went to law school, but uh, he's now a uh, a bounty hunter. His dad was a famous Western sheriff. The show opens with his dad, uh, Arlie Ermey as Briscoe County Sr., uh, bringing basically the Bly gang to to justice. And Bly, uh, uh, the, the leader of the Bly gang, is played by Billy Drago, which we all love from Invasion USA and a gazillion other awesome roles. And he is just perfect in this role. And uh, the the setup for this is awesome. For, first off, there's, there's a supernatural element to it where there's this sphere that gives people powers that every Everyone is sort of trying to track down and find, and also at the same time, the Bly Gang is doing that, and and uh, Briscoe County Jr. is kind of trying to track them down because they all killed his dad. And I love when you have like a numbered sort of thing. It, it, so. In the first episode, the blagging, there's 13 of them, right? And in the premiere, uh, shit happens, and, you know, a couple of them die or whatever. But the theory is moving forward is that he's going to be each episode tracking down new members of the Bly Gang and eventually getting to the Billy Drago, you know, at the end. I love that shit. It's kind of like, uh, Dale, remember how Spawn started out when, when the comics where he yeah. actually had, like, oh, a yeah. counter for his yeah. powers, you know? And he, mm-hmm. he, had a, he had a finite number of uses he could basically have for his powers before he got sucked back to hell. I like right. that, like in in this that the idea that you have these X amount of guys that you want to get back, you know, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, we have, like I said, we have Bruce Campbell, and he is joined by Christian Clemson as <laughs> Socrates Pool, and he was fun because. He kind of feel it kind of has a wild wild west vibe to it. But one thing I liked about the the at least episodes that we just watched is that Socrates Pool wasn't an idiot. He might have not be like he might not be like actiony and worldly or whatever, but he's not a moron. And I like that they didn't make him like a, a dummy. Um, another character that is very important is Comet the horse. Bruce Campbell's <laughs> horse is is very smart on the show. It's something I believe they sort of tone back as they kind of move along. But when they started he, he kind of i remember his like in the pilot he's like hey, he's a horse he doesn't know he's a horse he's, he's just like yeah. super smart but uh it's it's fun it's zany you got john Aston showing up occasionally you got kelly rutherford showing up occasionally
occasionally. You got Billy Drago just just nailing it. Um, and you just got like a throughout the entire course of the show, you have so many uh, freaking awesome actors popping up here and there, like James Hong, um, Arlie Ermey, MC Gainey. He was he's awesome too. Uh, Jeremy yeah, Roberts from People Under the Stairs pops up in an up in an episode. And nice. dude, Zach, did you recognize Grandpa in the first episode from T- Terror Vision in the first episode as the judge? Of course, <laughs> of course yes. you did. Of course you did. So this oh this was God. a fun show. It was, of course, ratings, Fox, et cetera, et cetera, was canceled after f- the first season. But there are still people that are into this show. It still is talked about very favor- favorably. And honestly, after watching a f- the few episodes that we did watch, the first and the second one, I think it holds up extremely well. I think it's very expertly made. I think the humor works perfectly. Like all the tonal shifts and everything works absolutely perfectly. And honestly, it was nice to see Bruce Campbell. He doesn't play over the top Bruce Campbell in this. He plays Briscoe County Jr., which is what's fucking awesome. Because after this, he kind of falls into this thing of just kind of being a Bruce Campbell caricature. But here, you're actually seeing him, like, really inhabit a character. And I... God, I forgot how how much I loved Bruce, Cam- like young Bruce Campbell. You know, he's so so fucking good in this role. It's again, it says a lot when all three of us were shocked when we found out that he he had to audition for this role because I think it is just it was perfectly made for him. And uh, this first season is absolutely amazing. Diallo, my man, what did you think of it, buddy? Yeah, so I it was a, it was another show. I remember watching it. I remember when it came out, but I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't religiously watch it. Um, so I, I haven't watched it since like 1993, basically when it first came out. Um, but there's a, but there's like elements of it that I always remember. So when I know you were picking that one, I was like, Ooh, yeah. You know, there's like, I'm going to have to go back and watch the series. Cause there's like, I, there's a scene that I think that this it was the show where he's with the like a gang of people and like one guy has some dynamite and some other some other stuff goes on and but like one of the things that I was really impressed by watching the pilot was again like the humor like I was legit laughing out loud um, the opening sequence actually with the um, with the the mine. When they mm-hmm. find the the orb, I, yeah. I it, it felt very movie like, you know. Yeah. It felt it felt legit, and um, yeah, just like I like the the it was like on the cusp of almost being like a not like steampunk, but it had that idea of like future mixed in with the the old west. Um, and John Aston actually, that was such a it was such a joy to see him on screen because you know that's a What's his name from um, Adam's family? Yeah, Adam yeah. Gomez and, so. and Night Court and Night Court. Yeah, Night Court. Yeah, so it was really it was a, he showed up and I was like, oh, you know, it was really cool to see him. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I like um, attack the killer tomatoes. Of course, Doctor Green. It it was a, it's a show that like I feel like they could you could easily take that script and not really have to change much and just make it today. Like it, it like, yeah. And it, and it's also another thing where I feel like, 
I mean, I feel like I feel this way about the um, about War of the Worlds too. Is like um, that element of it being before its time. Like today, you could make that show a lot easier, um, and it probably could last a lot longer. Like if this was on CW, it'd be on for ten seasons. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, you know how they roll. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's like it's not it's not like because it only lasted one season isn't indicative of it being inferior. It just it was just like it was just a completely different time. It was on a network, and the the um, you know the network, the bar for shows was a lot higher. They had to get a lot higher ratings, especially back then when cable wasn't as big yeah. as it is now. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was really fun. Um, and uh, again, I liked I liked how it left it open for uh, other episodes, like you were saying, like the numbers. I remember at the end he was like. Got a, there's seven more or however many yeah. he, had to, he had to find that, and I definitely was on board. I was like, "Ooh, I gotta keep watching this show," you know. Well, and also, and you speak of the, you know, how it's like steampunky in the future, and by the end of it, uh, Billy Drago's character, spoiler alert, you find out he's actually from the future, trying to get that sphere thing back, and yeah, it's got this awesome like steampunk element to it and everything that I I just love. And uh, before we get Zach's ideas, I just wanted to uh, say that the the sequel. I actually wouldn't want a reboot. I would want a canonical sequel where now where Bruce Campbell is playing essentially Briscoe County senior, you know, and then his son would be like Briscoe County, the third basically. And, and, you know, like it would take place at, you know, in like 1920 or something like that. That's what I would like to see. But yeah, I think no matter I what, feel, hmm. I feel like he could still Play just the be Briscoe Town. Like I mean, yeah. 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 Like I don't know. Yeah, I just I've kind of been popping in and out of um uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. And, I mean, he's yeah. still he's still doing his thing, man. So he's still rocking he, and rolling. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So he definitely he definitely could pull it off. I think. You know. Z- Zach, yeah, what were you? I, what, what's your connection to this show, buddy? Well, I mean, I I watched it for a handful of episodes when it came out on Fox, and then it was gone, and I didn't know what happened to it, and and I think it if if. It came out a little bit later when shows would get canceled by networks and then get picked back up by another network or syndication. It definitely would have happened. I think as much as I love Bruce Campbell, and I know obviously many other people do, he's still a cult cult icon, meaning he's not loved by the masses. He's more loved by like, you know, the 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 people who love cult films evil dead is 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 a cult movie army of darkness like he's not mainstream enough to be on a network where people are like oh it's bruce campbell you know joe schmo who watches um scandal you know is not going to watch briscoe county and because bruce campbell's on it you know and i think in some ways he he i think at that point in his career he was still very much a cult icon and i think that's maybe why the ratings didn't equal because we're like well who's this guy you know the 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 mainstream audience would be like well i don't know who that guy is and it's a western show and why do i like western shows and i wish it would have continued because i think it would have been great and i think you could easily just pick up where we left off even make a joke about that you know we were in limbo for 20 years or whatever and then just continue on that would be hilarious and that would be classic bruce campbell a la uh you know, um, Sam Raimi, but you're right. He didn't, he kind of played against his, the typical, um, 
Ash character that people love and want to hear him kind of spout off in that way. But there's that scene, I think it was in the first episode, with the scene with um, Lord Bowler when they're when he's ordering, uh, when he puts the stick of dynamite on the table. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. And, oh, and, and, and he lights it. It's such a great scene. Yeah. It's such oh, a great man. scene. And, and the writing is so tight. It's so yeah. tight. And, and it's so witty. And it's so funny. Uh, and it's so relatable at any point in time. And that is a testament to good writing when it doesn't feel dated. And of course, it, because of it being a period piece, um, you know, you can kind of go off and do whatever you want because it's like, well, yeah, it's a Western, but I, you know, he wasn't trying to sound like Dawson's Creek or anything like that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but if he did, that might've been kind of cool. Uh, but I, I love the, the, the character actors in it. And yeah, you're right about, Julius Carey. I remember when I saw him in it and I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. What do I know him from? And then when I put it together that he was, you know, from shown up from last dragon, which I love. I, and you need to see that movie as oh, a, yeah. I, it's I, a moral imperative. I know. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm, and I'm watching him like, yeah, but it doesn't look like show enough, yeah. you know, cause he's, and that's a testament to a great actor yeah. when you can like totally just delve into your role. And, uh, I, I love it. I wish it had a longer shelf life. Again, I, I know I've said it a million times in this episode. I think it would have been more popular if it was syndicated. Um, you know it's got a fan. It's got a built-in Bruce Campbell fan yeah. base. I mean, everybody, like, Bruce Campbell fans love everything he does, you know, from Crime Wave and his split-second moment in Darkman, and, you know, which I marked out for the most. Was the minute he pops up in Darkman, I'm like, oh, that's the movie I want to see. Fuck Liam Neeson. Hey, don't forget about uh, Moontrap. Well, yeah, I mean, best <laughs> part of Moontrap. He was in Congo, too. Also. Yes, he yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that split second, you're like, oh, I want to see more of this. He jokes you know? in his uh, his book, uh, If Chins Could Kill, which was a gr- it's a great biography. Great you book. Should, yeah, yeah, read that. Is. But he jokes in there that, yeah, as his as the movie budgets that for the movies that he was in went up, his screen time basically shrunk and shrunk the entire time. And I think Congo oh. is, is a prime example of that. Wow. Yeah, it's really he's got a really interesting career because as fans of his, his fans are always wanting more, but he gets less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> less and less and, for some reason. And and I don't know if that translates in because let's be honest, this the, the his fans us we do spend money to see him more. We we do. I, I've been to those conventions where people like. You know, we've got a, they're doing an auction, a live auction, and it's a, a signed autograph photo of Bruce Campbell. And people are like, oh my God, get my credit card out. You know, I literally, I kid you not, saw this couple arguing at a Fangoria convention years ago after they had bid on something, which credit card they were going to use. And this is before the movie Best in Show came out. And we're like, oh, no, no, use that credit card. It's mm. a good one. You know, that's the one we didn't max out yet. Yeah. They're like trying to figure out which credit. And I'm like, those are Bruce Campbell fans, you know, who max out their credit cards for this guy. But but it never just translated into the other thing, unfortunately. But uh, we love him. You know, you're right. Uh, check out that uh, the YouTube reunion. It's it's like got eight of the cast members from the show. And, and that doesn't not comment. Comment's probably dead at this point. That doesn't surprise me either because he has Bruce, Bruce Campbell has gone on record to say that this is one of his favorite roles and one of the favorite his favorite projects he's ever worked on. Everything wow. that I I kind of found out about it behind the scenes, he was all in. Like he was 
fully invested into well, this says character. A lot. Yeah. That's cool. And I think it's a great character. And I think it's, he, he's, yes, it has, Briscoe County Jr., yes, has a lot of DNA with Ash and everything because of Bruce Campbell, but he did tackle it very differently than he tack, tackled Ash, I think. He's just got such a distinctive look. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Chin. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the chin, but it's the nose too. It's the, it's the tone of his voice whenever he talks. And, and I think initially I, it is so different. When I watched the first episode, I was expecting to hear one liners like Ash, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's snarky. It's the whole deal. And it, it wasn't that way. And I, that was a little off putting for me initially <clears throat> when I was a kid, when I saw this or, teenager um but i think now i think you could easily put this back on the i think actually it'd be more successful now just if you threw the original series back up on the air Mm -hmm. you know put it on hbo max and people would be like oh check this out next to friends you know uh (laughs) people people would watch it people would be like oh this is cool yeah and and like this no go ahead dale yeah no one of the things i really loved i mean you know i i respond a lot to like the writing and how they frame everything and one of the things I really loved about it was, um, I think you mentioned the the scene with the uh, with the dynamite, and how, like the cliffhangers from yes between the commercial breaks were epic. Oh, like they weren't. It so wasn't good. just like a little. It was like a little moment, and then we'll be back after commercial. It was like he's about to fall. There's some. Um, there's some pitchforks in the in the in the wagon yeah, yeah. And, and he's hanging on by one hand and it's like and I, I literally like there were so many moments like that I was wondering how are they how's he gonna get out of this? The train's coming and they're on the track and they're tied. And and I'm like, how are they gonna get out of this? And I, and and those are the those are the kind of cliffhangers that they normally do like between episodes. Yeah. Not like on Doctor Who, that's like that that's their big one. Like when there was like a two parter or three parter, they always had like a big cliffhanger between them. But this was like between commercial breaks. And I just there's just something about the way that they 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 were just so bold and they weren't afraid to like just like kinda go go for it. And and I that's one thing I really, really appreciated about watching it. And did you notice that in between commercial breaks, they were chapters? So when they came back, yeah. it would be a new yeah. chapter with a new yeah. title. So it wasn't just episode titles. You get multiple titles per episode because of chapters. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't, yeah. You don't see that at all anymore, you know? Like, that's so fucking awesome. Very inventive. Very inventive. Yeah. It was an exciting show. And I think one of the things I definitely latched onto, like I said earlier, I loved Lord Bowler. And I specifically loved the interactions between uh, Briscoe County Jr. and Lord Bowler. And, like, because I've always liked when characters are, like, on two sides of the law and they have to work together or something. Or you start to become friends even though you're enemies at first. It just, it scratched that itch for me. And then the second episode, there was a scene where Briscoe County Jr. gets shot and he's dying. And, like, at this point, him and Lord Bowler are not, like, you know, super tight yet. But Lord Bowler's like, oh, shit, like, you're you're dying. And he actually stays by him and, like, sings him uh, um, uh, Amazing Grace. Like, like, Lord Bowler, like, while he's dying. And then he kind of gets fixed by the the, the sphere you know it's so like more of a deus ex machina but like so in, like the character was literally dying in that moment and and that's awesome like the fact that him and lord borrell had this connection and everything i just 
I freaking love that character. I, and I love the interactions of the characters. And I think for me, that's where it really, really sort of struck a, a chord. And it's the writing. That's that's right, y'all. Yeah. Like that's the writing right there is is yeah. all that, you well, know. So the uh, uh, one of the the showrunners, Carlton Cuse, he was a uh, one of the showrunners for a producer for one of my favorite all time shows, Lost. Yes, I'm being very sarcastic. I um, know, <laughs> but can't win them all. Can't yeah, win them all. but as much as I, you know, I don't like the show, the imagination and yeah. the craft that it took to make at least the first season, like you could, like you tell this, like. When I saw that he was actually a like a showrunner on the show, I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, I you saw at least know it's going to be interesting. From. Yeah, I knew where it was coming from, and again, I was really impressed in like 1993. That just it just said something to me. So yeah, yeah, and and I think that it was just. Uh, I think, like I said at the beginning, all three of these shows are very ambitious. Uh, now. Clearly, Highlander was the only one that sort of sort of survived longer. Uh, War of the Worlds being the second one with two seasons, and then this with with only one season. But I think thematically, we can say that these were all three shows that really tried to 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 do something big, and I think all three of them pushed the TV genre forward. I, I think you could ask. Any TV historian, uh, like, 100 years from now, and I think Highlander, I think Briscoe County Jr., I think War of the Worlds, I think they're all going to have, no matter how big or small, they have their place in history, and I think they did something to push the medium of television forward in a in a positive direction, like, in a, in a bigger, scoped direction, you know, if you were. Well, I, I think when you, when, when we initially put these three episodes together, and I'd forgotten that Briscoe was on Fox. I thought it was syndicated. So I thought, oh, this is perfect because they're all syndicated. And it makes sense that they're all syndicated because they're all so unique. And networks didn't put out stuff like this at that time. But then obviously Fox did, but it didn't last that long. Um, you know, it. Some, so Sorry, I'm going to. That's okay. What is that? It's my Alexa. <laughs> I made it. Uh, give me a reminder. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go with my original theory that these were all syndicated shows, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because there was there's so much cool unknown shows that people don't know about. Hence, why we're doing TV Obscura, and hence why this show will continue to go on for many many episodes because. There are so many shows that people may remember. Yeah, Highlander lasted for six or seven seasons, but there are so many people that don't know about that yeah. show still, you know? And and it's cool to go back down memory lane and revisit these things and go, okay, did it hold up? Did it not hold up? What did I like about it? What do I don't like about it? Blah, 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 blah. I like Briscoe County more now than I did then. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I I'm agree going with to that. watch it more now. Um, you know, Highlander has always holds such a warm, special place in my heart. War of the Worlds is like, I think I'm going to enjoy it more now because I can actually watch the entire <laughs> two seasons <laughs> and not have to search around, you know? That was another thing people that of this generation don't understand is that if you, did, if you didn't catch the show at that time, then you're screwed. Yeah. Like, you're screwed. And, and, and you couldn't set your VCR uh, because you didn't, because they would always shift it around all the time. I would always catch the tail end of something, and or I would, 
miss the cliffhanger, you know, part of it. And like, damn it. Well, there goes that. I guess I got to wait another year until I can see it again. Now we can watch all this shit whenever we want, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, again, why I love this, sh- this show we're doing because I can revisit a bunch of these shows I love and hopefully it, they're, they're on DVD or Blu-ray and, if they're not, hopefully they will be at some point, not some shitty version on YouTube. So yeah. I, there you go. The, the funny thing is, I think between the three of us, we have like years worth of ideas of, <laughs> of shows for this. <laughs> I don't think TV oh, Obscura yeah. is in any way, shape or form, uh, you know, going to go away anytime soon because there's just so much shows that all three of us love that it's really cool to, to kind of go back and, and revisit these. Like, you know, Zach, you just said, um, I think all three of these shows were fun, even though I'm not a Highlander fan. Um, I did like that first episode and I did get this like nineties nostalgic feels like, even though (laughs) back then I didn't like love this kind of thing. Now I'm seeing it now. I'm like, Oh, but it feels so nineties. And now that's nostalgic to me. So, you know, it's funny how those things sort of come back around, but honestly, I think all three of these shows were fun. Um, I'm definitely going to order that war of the worlds DVD set. Cause I do want to watch, Watch that. Um, I agree with you, Zach. I think Briscoe County Jr. worked even better for me as an adult. Like, I think I got more and everything out of it. And like I said with Highlander, I appreciate that 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 it I appreciate the justice that it does for the series and I'm happy that it exists and I also do know that I would probably get into it if I had the time to like watch six seasons you know of a freaking however many 27 episodes an hour a piece that just that's too much of an undertaking for me in this point in my life basically i don't have that much time to watch anything but i do know in my heart of hearts as much as i don't as much as i proudly say i don't like highlander i think i could get into this show if i had the chance i just don't know when i'm gonna have that chance anytime soon but Diallo, I am glad that you brought it to the table. I am glad that I got a chance to revisit something that I thought I hated when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, this is fine. This is fun. I get it. I get it. You yeah. know? So, again, like every freaking episode of TV Obscura, I just, I love it. I'm glad we're doing this show. And we have awesome ideas in the future. I'm just going to put it out there now. I think we're going to do Werewolf at some point, but since we oh, all yeah. fucking love the show, we're just <laughs> going to do a whole episode of Werewolf, and I think all three of us are going to tackle a different episode. Uh, we'll figure it out, but there's going to be one Werewolf episode of TV Obscure that's just fully Werewolf. But uh... <laughs> I, heard, I heard that's finally I heard that's finally going to make its way at least onto DVD. And, and, and I think oh, we'll, wow. we'll, talk, we'll talk offline about when we want to do our Werewolf episode. Maybe it'll be after it comes out. Maybe we'll do it and it coincides with it or whatever. But uh, I love the flexibility of TV Obscura. And I love the fact that it's, you know, Diallo, you're on here, buddy. I love this. So, yeah, what, uh, I'm really glad you guys are having it again. It gives me something to do also. <laughs> <laughs> what What are your final thoughts on, on these three shows, man? What are your final thoughts on all three of them together? Um, okay, I mean, I, you know. The, the the whole thing about, like, you know, going back to, like, nostalgia again, it's just, like, like, all of these shows that we've done have hit, like, a nerve, like, a good nerve for all of us. It sparked our imagination, good or bad, at a certain point. And so, 
like the, for me that's something like to cherish and to celebrate and as i'm watching all of these like in the context of like being an old man now like i'm really appreciating <laughs> how much like i'm watching this show like I'm watching war of the worlds in 88 highlander in 90 uh what 92 and Briscoe in 93, and knowing how much time has gone on and how much we've learned in terms of, like, telling story and, like, um, uh, special effects and production. Like, you know, just, like, the simple thing today of having um, a location where it looks like it's in some exotic place, you couldn't really do that back then, and -hmm. they didn't let that stop them, (laughs) and they just made it anyways. and so, like, I just, like, I'm really appreciating how they, how they just were unapologetic about with their imaginations. And so, um, yeah, I just, like, War of the Worlds really got me um, wanting to, to revisit not only the show, but to, to revisit, like, the actual, the book and the movie. And, yeah, yeah and then Briscoe County, like, I'm, I'm really, like, I'm really wanting them to do, like, a new series now like a tv movie or something you know yeah yeah that'd um, be great yeah and highlander they're doing they're they're do they've been talking about a reboot forever but they've been talking about doing a a movie and this time it's by (laughs) one of the uh directors of one of zach's favorite movies uh john wick it's one of one of the john wick directors yeah because any anything action oriented it's one of the john wick's directors (laughs) yeah i mean i'm okay with that as long as keanu reeves is not in it yeah if he's the highlander i don't even know if i'll i'll like yeah i don't know if he fits but hey there could be only one okay (laughs) i am a high lander Hey, it's me, Connor McLeod from McLeod McLeod, dude. It's Keanu McLeod. <laughs> oh, man. No, you know what? Oh, you know who you, know who you cast? You cast Dan, what's his face from The Guest? Dan Stevens. As, uh, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens would be, as island. Connor McLeod. There you go. <laughs> that would be badass. There you go. Well, I uh, like I said, I love doing the show with both of you. Um, as as I, I mean, I guess we're film critics of sorts. I mean, we have a film podcast, but one thing I love is that I have learned so much from both of you. Uh, both different techniques on how to like sort of view a movie and how to sort of critique a movie and how to sort of just put it into the framework of everything that I'm feeling about it. And I do appreciate that I have learned immensely from my friendship with both of you, both Diallo and Zach, um, just how to appreciate a movie better and, and also just critique it and look at it from a different point of view. So this is great. I love TV Obscura. Yes. It ain't going away anytime soon. Like I said, we've got, I mean, hell, our, our, our text thread is just us throwing out like ideas of like what we're going to do next. And I guarantee, to you is tomorrow we're all going to start pitching ideas of what our next uh, TV Obscure ep- uh, episode is going to be. We literally plan these like all month long. We talk about them and then yeah, it's it's great. This is freaking I'm awesome. I'm already going to send you the my idea because <laughs> I, I don't want, I want to jump on. I haven't had a, I'm like, I think the, the first one, Corey and I, it was very like, it was very different on both levels yeah. and then, and then uh, in a good way. And then the, ever since, uh, you know, we've, we've come the, the uh, you know the three way dance. It's uh, it's kind of been like okay, so who's got an idea, and then we'll kind of piggyback yeah, off, off yeah. of those other ideas. So I'm going with mine. Okay, and uh, and 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 so be on the lookout. Okay, Ooh, so I so can't wait. I can't wait. So Zach's gonna start it off, and then Diallo and I will kind of. 
pick ours around it. So I, I love it, guys. This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, thank you, both of you, so much for, for doing this with me um, and all of us together. This is this is awesome. Uh, and just thank you for the awesome shows that you're, you're making me rewatch. This is, this is fantastic. Uh, thank you. There's thank yous all around. <laughs> thank you, doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, Zach, my man, where can we find you out there in the in the the twitterverse or whatever you can find the twitterverse yeah you can you can find me at my porno life no i'm kidding that's that's Corey's old twitter handle um you can find me on two dollar late fee uh at two dollar late fee on instagram i don't do facebook anymore because facebook is trash and uh it's garbage so uh i mean personally for my personal stuff yeah but but for not for two dollar two dollar late fee two dollar late fee.com we are an 80s retro podcast uh we we tackle a movie and one specific song from that movie um and then we just by happenstance tend to end, end up interviewing someone connected to that movie. So just to give you a little tease, by the time this airs, um, we had just aired an interview with Keith Coogan from Adventures of Babysitting and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Dishes are uh, done, man. Yeah, man. But we have an upcoming episode with one of my favorite martial art cheeseball movies of all time, No Retreat, No Surrender. And piggybacking on that will be an upcoming interview with Kurt McKinney, the star of No Retreat, No Surrender. And let me tell you, folks, if you don't know who Kurt McKinney is, it doesn't matter because this guy's story is bonkers. Uh, He tells a hilarious Jean-Claude Van Damme story that will get you laughing out loud. And one he told off the air that I can't tell. Oh, man, I wish I could because it's gold. I will tell these guys. But um yeah, $2 late fee. We have a lot of fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously, even though some people think we do. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's another story. But, yeah, we're having fun with it, and check us out. Yeah. It's, it's good times. And you, you know my favorite thing about podcasting with you, Zach, is I learn all the things that you say all the time, just like you learn all the things that I say all the time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I also learn about myself when I edit the fucking episodes. Stop. Like what? What do I say? What stop. Do I say? For me, it's stop saying at the end of the day, I say at the end of the day a <laughs> A million fucking times you say if you don't know who xyz is then blah 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 that's your thing <laughs> diallo i diallo i'm gonna learn all your secrets too buddy oh, <laughs> oh, man, i already know some of mine after, after doing my podcast like, oh, i God, know right i why know do I right do that? <laughs> and speaking of your podcast pl- plug your stuff again for us uh, diallo thank you please and thank you Yes, yeah, so the podcast is First Noel Chronicles. Uh, I'm looking to do at least uh, an episode a month, if not biweekly. Um, I also, you can find me on Instagram at the, Armag- at the Armageddon. There's an E somewhere for, uh, there's a three somewhere for an E. <laughs> um, and uh, also, I am again, I'm back on Twitter with the same handle, Yay! The Armageddon. That came out of nowhere. I had a, I have a, a longtime friend, um, one of the sweetest people ever, was like, what's up with your Twitter? And then she, she got me uh, reinstated, so that was really Aww. thankful for that. That's um, cool. And uh, A.D. Jackson uh, Facebook page and um, First Noel, no, wait, no, the... Uh, Ooh, I can't think of the name of the website. <laughs> An- yeah, Angela for, in the Dark? Yeah, for, yeah, Angela in the Dark can be found at ForgeCreationDigital.com. Angela in the Dark is on Instagram as well. 
And I have nice. all the links in the show notes. You don't, yes. have, to, you don't have to remember. I I'm love like, how I'm what plugging else your, am I doing? Diallo has so many projects that he can't keep track of. Them. I can't keep track. <laughs> I love I it. I love it. I, you know what? I love it. I love surrounding myself with people that inspire me and both of you inspire me immensely. Aww. So thank you both. Ditto. Uh, you can Ditto. find me every week talking about uh, Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast with uh, our pal Adam. And uh, he and I actually just started uh, diving into Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Oh, yeah. But that is uh, that we were having that as a Patreon exclusive for our Cartwright Patreon page. Nice. But um, speaking of Patreon, let the money flow everywhere and, and, and all to good things come. Uh, Podcast After Dark has a massive, massive Patreon page. If you guys haven't checked it out, we have we have you know exclusive shows over there like wrap up after dark we also have an exclusive interview series over there called interviews after dark i think you can see a theme right now and uh we've talked to some amazing amazing people like Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead, Stephen Jeffries from Fright Night, Tony Timpone, the longtime Fangoria editor, Diane Franklin from Terror Vision, Zach Ward, Brian Usna, Jeanette Goldstein, fucking Mark Ralston, the two basically the two heavy machine gunners from from Aliens, Tom Holland, Jonathan Stark, composer Richard Band, Thomas G. Waits. Uh, we have by the time you hear this, uh, I think think what's coming out next zach what's dropping next is, is scott valentine dropping next month but and then what's dropping this month uh jesus garcia Jesus. who is nick aka nick Corey from uh return uh sorry uh nightmare in elm street yes and wildcats, wildcats. And gotcha <laughs> one of my sister's favorite movies of all time they just announced a shout select uh version of wildcats coming out so we'll definitely yep. that might pop up on podcasting after dark at some point just as an mm. fyi to you zach <laughs> pretty good, much good luck with that good luck with that breakdown in the comedy dude. <laughs> i know i know you're like zach's like i ain't touching that with a 10 foot fucking pole <laughs> guys and gals comedy are the hardest things for us to break down and track my but i don't care i don't care because wildcats has a giant place in my nostalgic past so guys and gals podcast after dark tv obscura check us out you're listening to us so you know all this at this point is moot so anyways as always we'll catch you on the dark side or catch you on the obscure side Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. 
you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.